<laughs> Come with me if you want to live. Oh my god! All three of us. We had three Terminators. <laughs> oh, that was great. Turtle Flakes podcasters. Burn! Go, go, go! Get him! Go, 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 go! Cowabunga, dudesy dudettes, and welcome to another episode of Turtle Flakes. I am your co. <laughs> now you got. Now you're in my head. That one's on you. That one's on you. <laughs> that one's on me. That one's on me. That. I Don't am your. You for that. Oh, I know, I know. I am your lovely co host, Rob, and join with me, as always, are these two jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Hattel, or Jay Weezy and and Worksteady. How you guys doing? I'm doing good, boss. How about you? Yeah. <laughs> doing good, guys. Doing good. I now, cannot do a Rocksteady voice. I cannot do that to save my life. <sighs> hey, boss. I can't, really, I can't really do it that That's well. That's Bebop right there, man. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I need the purple shades is what I need. But yeah, uh, sorry for stumbling over that introduction, guys. Uh, somebody kept <laughs> interrupting me every five seconds. <laughs> that host will remain nameless. <clears throat> Rocksteady. Yeah. So today we are actually we're having a fun show today. It's a short and sweet show. We are covering modern stuff, so stuff that is right now. Um, so we are going to be covering issue seventy one of the ongoing IDW run and Universe Eleven. And I have to say, I'm just spoiler alert right here. Oh, both man, were yeah. great. Both okay. were awesome. I cannot wait to talk about them. Really quickly, man. I didn't know we were doing Universe Eleven, but yeah, I read it. I read it, and I was gonna text you to go stop what you're doing and go read it. But I did read it two nights ago, and man, that's good. That's the the Karai issue, right? Ooh, Karai. Yeah, issue eleven. You said right. I don't think so. The issue eleven is the one with the frog and um, Angel and Alapex. Okay, well, you got to read issue 12, man. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, no kidding. Well, oh, I saw that cover. Did that one just come out like this week or a couple weeks it ago? It came out on Wednesday, yeah. Oh, see, I've not read that one yet. No, no. Okay, it's issue 12. I'm sorry. I Yeah. So issue 12 is a new story arc in TMNT Universe called Karai's Path, and it's about her figuring out what she wants to do oh, you know, okay. with her life. And she, it takes place in Japan, and there's a bunch of, there's a couple of uh, old faces that you haven't seen since around issue 50. So it's, once you get that, once you start reading that, man, that's good. That's oh, really she, uh, good. She decides to go back to law school. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> it's an action-packed it's funny you issue. That. It's funny <laughs> you mentioned law school, because she ends up getting in a bit of a kerfuffle with the Yakuza, and they break laws all the time. <laughs> Well, excellent. That sounds great. I can't wait to uh, read it. So I know that's in my turtle box now. And uh, uh, 72 has to be coming out as well soon, right? So, yeah, it should be anyway. I just read 71 this morning. and oh, It's good. Man, I didn't want to like 71 as much as I did. It was good. I know. It was man, good. Man, it surprised me. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some some favorite characters. That's the one I can't wait to talk about because there there is there is a character in there that if you're a fan of the Archie books, they they have ever shown this character since the Archie comics. Yeah. And his and his redesign is amazing. I love it. Like the design of all of these guys is just in, insane. I yeah. agree. And one of my favorite artists is back for that one too. So um, I'm really excited to talk about it. Good stuff. So yeah, we'll get there though. We'll get there. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a catastrophe. Man, oh, hey, man you your there. puns, man, they just make me want to go catatonic sometimes. Oh, <laughs> oh, jeez, well. I always thought they were the cat's meow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I have to meow mix it up. Oh! <laughs> sometimes we have to shut up, guys. <laughs> All right, that's, that's it. And our listeners are gone. <laughs> All right, guys, so let me go ahead and uh, get through these links real quick. Awesome. So, first of all, if you want to send us an email, our, our email address is turtleflakespodcast at gmail.com. I don't know if we've gotten an email this week, but we did get some feedback this week, and I'm excited to talk about that in a minute. But, yeah, always send us an email if you want to talk about anything in, uh, or anything you'd like us to share on the show. Love to hear from you there. Uh, we do have a Twitter account, at turtleflakes, all one word. We do have a Facebook page, which our good friend Thaddeus Manning mans. Um, Oh, that was redundant. Didn't mean to do Man that. Man's. Yeah, yeah. He's all over that, and uh, he, he just, I can't thank him enough for all the stuff he does for us. He's hes our Iron Man. He really is. And that group page is facebook.com slash groups slash turtleflakes. That's the most interactive page as far as, you know, where our listeners come together and kind of talk. The next one is our TurtleCom hotline, and we got a couple of calls this week. I'm really excited to share them in a minute. But if you want to give us a call about anything Ninja Turtles related, our number is 865 309 4875. And listeners, don't be afraid. It's not like I'm going to pick up the phone and be like, hey, who is this? <laughs> it's, a, it's a recording. So you just leave a message and, uh, you know, anything you want to talk about. So. Sounded like Vern Thompson there. Hey, who is this? Get April in here right away. <laughs> go, go, go. Go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do have a blog page, and I've been doing a lot of scanning late- recently. Um, I've been scanning some pages of the Ninja Turtle magazine. I have issues one and two right now. And I'm thinking about doing an article on each one, you know, just doing a little review or just some of my thoughts on it, because these are not exactly common anymore. You, you can get them on eBay, and you're going to pay close to 15 to 20 bucks for each issue. But, um, you know, I'm not going to scan the entire thing, because I don't know if I could get in trouble for that. But I am going to scan certain things I thought were funny, and, and uh, just kind of tell you an overview of what each one's about, and, and just my thoughts on it. Because basically, it is my childhood wrapped up in one little magazine, so good stuff That's there. so cool. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. And they're they're not going to break the bank as far as collecting goes. There's not that many of them, and all of them, all the issues are none of them are over twenty bucks that I've seen on yeah. online. That's super ironic that like there, it's one old school like trade of a Ninja Turtle anything, and there's not a lot of them, and they're they're not expensive. That's true. That is very true. It's super weird that that works out that way i know i know so i hope i'm not ruining that by saying that <laughs> i know i keep telling you every week stop talking stop about, talking about you it get all of them i know next next time i log on ebay it'll be like three times the price but what know, right? um but yeah also on the technodrome forums um if you actually search up tmnt magazine you'll find an, uh, some awesome scans of a lot of the covers there's a whole forum page i would leave a link in our show notes but i'm probably going to forget by the time the episode's over <laughs> But there's a, there's a forum page that is all dedicated to that magazine, and that's actually where I found out how many issues there were, when the run started. So there's some great, great backup information there for those of you who might be interested in collecting the, the magazine. So 
Um, anyways, so I'm going to write about that here in a couple weeks, maybe. But uh, my blog page is radrobsblog.blogspot.com. So that's basically a page where I share just some random TMNT stuff um, for my collection, or I just talk about maybe some interesting things that are happening in the comics. You know, just talk about whatever we want to talk about on that blog, on that blog. So, so how many how many issues of the magazine are there? Um, off the top of my head, I know they released them quarterly. Uh, yeah. So there was four per year, and I know it lasted till um, I think it started in either ninety or ninety one. I think it started in late 90, and then it ended in 93, but I don't remember what time period in 93. Oh, okay. So it's got to be maybe 10 to 12 issues, I would assume. Oh, Yeah, not many, not many. And how, not, many, how many do you have? Right now, I've only got the first two, but I've got the third one on the way. I'm, I'm okay. trying to buy one a month, you know, get back into collecting those. And right now I have the first two scanned, and the third one I paid 14 bucks for. Um, and it's on the way. That's including the shipping in that. So it was ten bucks plus four for shipping. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, pretty cheap, pretty cheap. And I'm trying to find a seller that's got more than one, so I can kind of do a bundle package. That'd be good. That'd be yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And then uh, let's see. We are proud to be part of the Retro Junkies Network. It is a retro podcasting network dedicated to lots of things retro, whether it's comics, whether it's toys, whether it's classic electronics, and um, games so if you want to check out uh, all that stuff it's all family friendly uh, the main hub for that is the retrojunkies.com so check that out and last but not least we are proud partners with the retro gaming times magazine speaking of retro stuff the retro gaming times magazine is dedicated to classic games and classic electronics and it is one of the longest free online magazines as a matter of fact they're fixing to hit their 20th anniversary of the magazine this September so now is a great time to jump on board I'm working on an article actually a series of articles for that magazine right now and hopefully I can get it uh, all done in time for that 20th anniversary because that's going to be an interesting one to see and also they're always looking for more writers so if you're a fan of anything retro anything classic go ahead and reach out to David London he owns the page he's the editor of the magazine he loves to have new submissions. Just send him his way, introduce yourself, and uh, he'd be happy to publish the article. And really, it's it's a passion project. No one gets paid for it. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure you would enjoy it. It's, it's definitely some good reading, too. So the website for that is classicplastic.net slash TRT for the Retro Gaming Times. Retro Gaming is one word. Okay. And that's it, I think. Oh, did I lose you guys? No, no, we're good. Wow, you guys are really quiet. It was almost like you were just taking all that I in. I did doze off for a minute. But... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you a hose head. Well, maybe uh, maybe this will wake you up. Maybe this will wake you up. Okay, you so. Done yet? No, hang on, hang on. I'm working <laughs> on it. <laughs> so, guys, big news. I'm not sure if you'll hear this before it actually happens or not, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway. Kevin Eastman, the one, the only, the co-creator of the Ninja Turtles, is coming back on our humble show. Uh, he is? He is! Yeah, really? yeah. Wow. It's a truth. He must not remember us. <laughs> In spite of our last few episodes. No, he was, sorry he about was, that. He was quite gracious last time. I'm, I'm really glad he's coming on. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, our main goal is to have all of us on this time. It's The funniest thing is, the first episode, I couldn't make it because I had just started a new job and I couldn't take off. And Josh, or Jay Weezy was there. The second time Kevin Eastman was on, poor Jay Weezy couldn't make it. And Hoser Josh was there. 
So this time we're going to try to have all three of us there. Unfortunately, it'll be kind of a, a short show. You can only snag him for about 20 minutes because he has other podcasts he's going to be appearing on. But stay tuned for that. That'll probably be the next episode you hear. You'll, you might have already heard it by the time you're hearing this. So I just wanted to say that just in case, you know, my editing's a little out of order. He's actually, the whole reason he's going to be on the show is he's working on this project called Drawing Blood, which is really, really interesting. My understanding of it is it's going to be a comic series or maybe just a one-shot, I'm not sure, where it's almost like a parody of himself because it's about this comic book writer who creates this series, and it sounds suspiciously like Ninja Turtles, Yeah, and how he reaches all this success as a very young guy, very young adult, and he doesn't know how to handle it. So it's a comic book about that. So in a way, it's kind of it's kind of a parody on, in my opinion, Kevin Eastman or any successful young comic book artist that doesn't know how to or that's never really dealt with this kind of success before and, and how that person handles it. So really, really cool stuff. That sounds that sounds really interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I read a I read this on his fan or his website. So if you want to find out more about this Kickstarter project, it starts on August first. And we're gonna to try to have the interview done before August first. And the web address is fan.kevinestmanstudios.com. All you have to do is go to that website and you'll find out a whole bunch more about the Drawing Blood Project. So keep that in the back of your mind. And uh, also, guys, we received an iTunes review. Yay! All right. Yeah, we haven't had one in a while. And that really does help out the show. Um, for those of you who didn't hear the announcement this week, um, we're doing a little giveaway for one of my Metalhead duplicates that I have. And this is the classic Metalhead figure. I'm actually looking at him right now. He's in my little pencil cup. And uh, I'm group. also... Yeah, exactly. The good... Well, I like the 2012 one, but... Uh... I do like that one, yeah. I do like the 2012 Metalhead. Of course, but, you know, I think most of the time we'll prefer the originals over, you know, some of the newer <laughs> ones. But, yeah, the whole point was uh, we're doing a giveaway from now to the end of August if you guys write us a review on iTunes. It really does help the show. Just let us know what you think on iTunes because iTunes is the biggest broadcasting outlet for podcasts. But, uh, yeah, here's the one we got this week. Uh, this is from Dumb C. Clintock. <laughs> I have uh, maybe it's dumb McClintock. So here, here's the review. What I love interviews, especially with the Mirage crew. The overview of comics, especially Volume Four. The overview of things they don't even like, like the next mutation. Cough, cough. Interview Peter. Thank you All so right. much, man. Absolutely, he's, he's on the list someday. He's on the list. That's right. So yeah, boy, I'd love to have Peter Laird on the show. He's kind of our golden goose right now. I, I Man, think you know what that it, nobody gets interviews with with Peter Laird though nobody. I know, that. I know, I know, but that's my goal. It's going to happen one day. If I do nothing else, if if we have to end the show at the at the end of that, <laughs> it'll happen. Don't do that. Uh, okay. Yeah, that that's that's not happening. I didn't really mean that. Uh, so thank you so much, man, for the for the review there. And um, also, guys, if you don't care, we do have a couple of messages that we're going to play from our Turtlecom line. The turtle com. Maybe that's Michelangelo now. This is Donatello. Come in. Uh, ask and you shall receive. So we were we were um, blessed enough to have a couple phone calls this week. And let's go ahead and play. Let's see. Let me pull mine up. Okay, guys, you want to pull up uh, Thaddeus's first? Hey, guys. Calabunga. This is Thaddeus. Uh, I was just calling to see how you guys were doing. I haven't heard from you in a while. 
Uh, I recently listened to the last episode where uh, Josh was interested in maybe doing uh, some more TMNT crossover episodes, maybe talking about Savage Dragon or Usagi, and I actually have a lot of uh, Savage Dragon TMNT comics, as well as a whole bunch of Usagi uh, Usagi comics. Um, so, you know, I, I would definitely love to do an episode maybe talking about that. And I know that you guys haven't done a green screen of the 2007 TMNT movie, so I'd love to get, you know, all of us, including Jay Weezy on and maybe talking about that as well. And then as far as tour reviews, uh, I'd, I'd love to do a, a review of the, uh, the Mega Bloks, uh, TMNT toys based off the Mirage comics. I have all four of the Turtles. Uh, maybe even do a, a review of the, uh, NECA Shredder and Foot Clan figures. That would be cool. And also, I know that you haven't really talked about the Batman TMNT Adventures, uh, crossover comic. I have most of those as well. So, uh, yeah, and anytime you guys would love to do an episode uh, with me, just give me a call or uh, send me a message, and uh, yeah, I'll definitely come on the show. All right, well, I hope you guys are doing awesome. Take care, and cowabunga. Bye. So, uh, so Jay Weezy, since I couldn't hear the um, the phone call, uh, what what did Thaddeus say? I, I kind of missed some of it. And, and Josh, I guess you both heard it. So, uh, yeah, Thaddeus was saying that he uh, really enjoys the show, obviously, and uh, he was saying that he would like us to do a uh, green screen of the 2007 movie, and he'd like to join us, oh, which yeah, I, to do that. I think is a great idea. We've been talking about that for a while. We've been talking about doing one of those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- here's here's my – this is just my opinion on the movie. Um, I would love that idea, Thaddeus. You, Of course you can come on, man. You always have a, you always have a seat here at the – in the sewers with us, but the, the thing the thing is, we kind of I. This is just my opinion. The films, since there's not many of them, I like to st- stagger them out, like stretch them out. Maybe once a year we do a movie, because we're gonna run out of movies to talk about. <laughs> so well, hopefully they keep making them. Oh God, I hope so. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be we, great. We've got like what three movies left? Yeah, four yeah. movies left. We got Turtles Forever, the 2007, and then the two new ones. Yeah, and then Turtles 3. We've not oh, done Turtles, Turtles 3. 3, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm there for it, man. Well, how about this? How about this? You know, maybe when we get close to episode 100, you know, because I think we're, I honestly do think we're going to break 100 this year. Why don't we do a movie? Well, let's do the, let's do the 2007 movie when we reach 100 okay. because it's the 10, 10 years for it. Oh, yeah, it will be. That's a good idea. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That was 10 years ago. Can you believe that? Oh, my God. Thanks, Jay Weezy. God. <laughs> <laughs> As if we didn't yeah, let's go do that. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, amen to that. And 24 was a good year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. 24, I was, I had just started teaching. So, golly, I've been teaching 10 years. Can you believe that? Those poor kids. So yeah, that is awesome, man. That's a great idea, and we'll do that within the year because I really think the pace we're going, we will, um, we will definitely uh, hit a hundred. So yeah. we'll, we'll cover. He also that. mentioned the uh, the turtles Batman crossover that we should talk about that. So uh, he said he'd he'd love to come on anytime we have him. So we'll definitely have to arrange that. 
You know what? I, you know what I think we should do for the crossover, man. I think since last year our Halloween episode was Ghostbusters. I think every every Halloween we should do a Turtles crossover. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. Yeah. Especially this Halloween, it'd be. I mean, Halloween Batman that works out perfect. You know. That's a great idea. Yeah. So Thaddeus, you can come on for that one too, man. Yeah. So thanks for the call, man. Really appreciate it. Sorry I couldn't hear it on my end. The weird thing is, the first time I saw the call, I was able to hear it, and then when I went to download it, it just it plays the message, but nothing. It's strange, but uh, but at least the other guys got to hear it, and uh, it, we're, absolutely, we're we're glad to have it on the show, man. Anytime. And uh, we did get a second call. I actually got this about two days ago, and this is a really really heartfelt call by our friend Mike Webb, uh, first time caller, and. Uh, it just goes to show you, you never know who's listening. So, guys, if you want to pull this one up, uh, we'll go and play this one together real quick. Hey, California. My name is um, Mike Webb. I'm from Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Calling to talk on the girl phone. Just wanted to say I love what you guys do. Been listening to you for quite some time. Look forward to every episode that you guys put on. You guys help me out just part time right now. Um, worked a job for nine years, got laid off. Worked another job for eight years, just got laid off. So you guys are helping me out for some bad times right now, and I really appreciate everything you've been doing. Thank you. Ah, man. That one, that one gets me, guys. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, Mike, you just keep on trucking, dude. You'll yeah. you'll get there. Yeah, thanks for calling in, man. We we have no idea who's listening or how many people, so it's really cool to hear that. You know, <laughs> we're making a difference, even though. Even though we have our work on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Amen. Uh, I, I could have said it better myself. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously, man. Uh, I, 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 seriously, dude, thank you so much for calling. And, uh, man, like, like Josh said, just hang in there, buddy. We're, we're hoping and praying that you can find a job to, you know, Take care of you and your family, and uh, dude, thank you so much for listening. And and it just goes to show you, to, to me, it, it's really humbling because you you don't really think of that kind of stuff when you're doing a Ninja Turtles podcast. You don't think, oh man, this is cheering somebody up. You know, if anything, it's taking people off. You know, so sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just uh, thank you, man, and just keep on trucking, my friend. <laughs> All right, guys, so for today's Rad Relic, I've got something um, really, really kind of neat here for me. My good buddy, Willie. Jay uh, Weezy, you know Willie. Oh, yeah. Good friend of ours and a fellow Arcade retro USA. junkie. Arcade USA. Great YouTube channel, guys. Check it out. Yes, I agree. He's got um, several different retro podcasts on the Retro Junkies Network, and one of his biggest shows is Arcade USA, where basically he does a lot of traveling with his work anyway. So all throughout the United States, he travels, and he finds local arcades wherever he goes for maybe a workshop he has to do for his job. And that's what his whole YouTube show's about. Well, anyways, he happened to be in the Maryville, Tennessee area, which is not too far from Knoxville, and he met me at McKay's Bookstore in West Knoxville, and he had a little gift for me, which was a, I did not expect. And uh, let me pull it up here. He got me a whole box of the Series 1 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle trading cards, unopened. So, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I, I 
I'd never seen an unopened box of these before. And the reason I know it's first series is I actually did a little research on the Ninja Turtle cards. And these are from 1989. The first series was in 1989. So I found this great article that is about the Ninja Turtle cards and, and how they began. So the first series, the box that I have right now, came out in 1989. And the basic boxes are huge, and they come with 48 packs in each box. And each pack has five cards and one sticker and also some gum. Um <laughs> I don't know if I want to eat it. Oh, yeah, I don't, don't recommend now, the gum. Man. But, yeah, some of the jumbo boxes have 24 packs of 11 cards and one sticker. So that was the 1989 cards. And then 1989 had another series of cards, the Series 2 pack, and they all say Series 2 on them. This one doesn't, so that lets me that leads me to believe this is the first one. The Series 2 ones, they maintain the configuration of 48 packs with five cards and a sticker in each pack. The, there was the 1990 Tops Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie cards. Do you guys remember those? Yeah. Oh, yeah, vaguely, yeah. So uh, the 1990 Tops Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie cards, uh, there was 36 packs uh, of nine cards and one sticker in each box. I actually remember these cards quite a bit. Let's see. And the 1991 Tops Ninja Turtle cards dedicated to Seeker of the Ooze. I remember these cards. Boxes came with 36 packs each holding eight cards and a sticker. And then the 1992 Topps Turtles uh, cards from the Turtles 3 movie, they had 36 packs of eight cards and one sticker. And then that was it, guys. All the way until 2003, the Fleer Ninja Turtle cards came out, Series 1. The first two series and then the first three movies belonged to Topps. And then I guess Topps sold the rights over to Fleer. And Fleer had them for the 2003 era. And then looks like they did two series, and then that was it for Fleer. They didn't, I guess, the cards didn't sell too well. And then finally in 2014, so that's 11 years afterwards, the IDW limited edition Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle 30th anniversary sketch cards came out, and that's it as far as the cards go. So I I always thought there were more than that, but there really weren't. There was just a handful of uh, series here. Huh. So we actually, uh, we gave away a couple packs of the Series 2 cards, and I think, I don't remember where I had found them, but I, I found a bunch of them cheap, and I bought some, and we mailed some out to our listeners, and then uh, I took a bunch to work, and I was giving away, and it was hilarious. Like, people at work were all <laughs> trading them and stuff. It was great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a couple of years ago, but uh, yeah. Just like it was back in 92, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good times, man. So back to um, my actual package here. This is the 1989 one, like I said. And the box art uh, has the four turtles uh, coming through. It looks like they bust through a piece of paper here. It says turtle power at the top. And then uh, Donatello says, we're Mondo to the max. And it's got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the logo on the front. And at the bottom, it says cards, stickers, bubblegum. Pretty much the box art is all the same all around this, this box here. But you see where it says 1989, the Topps Company, Inc., on the back, it says 1989, 1989 Mirage Studios USA. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are a trademark of Marvel Studios. <laughs> Marvel Mirage whoa, Studios. Whoa. Oh, yeah, huge dude, crossover. Dude. <laughs> let's try not to get let's try not to get sued here, man. All yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, guys, I admit I kind of cheated here. Even though it's never been opened, you can kind of bend the cardboard a little bit and see the cards inside. Oh. So I slipped one out, really kind of crafty, just so I could see what a pack looked like. 
and they have the red packaging on it with a single turtle on the front, and it says 25 cents a piece. And I got to say, you know, for any kid during that time, that must have been a good time. You go to a, like a candy store or something like that, and they sell turtle cards for a, for a quarter. Or you could call a reporter. <laughs> uh, and so you open up the pack and you get five cards I see a piece of bubble gum and it's got a whole bunch of mildew on it Oh! so I got a sticker here that I did peel off and it actually does stick it's a, it's the basically the famous shot of the four turtles and Donatello's coming through the manhole cover smiling so oh, yeah. you know, we all know that shot and then all of these cards are from the first season. I recognized every single shot here. So you've got In Cahoots with Krang. And this is Shredder talking to Krang here. Oh, and one thing I forgot to mention is it tells you the number of the card in the set that they have. So this card here is number 62. And the reason they're numbered is because the back of each card is a puzzle piece. And you can put a puzzle together. And actually, you know, when you get the whole set, you see this giant... I guess, picture of one of the turtles or maybe all of them. So the next card is the fateful stumble. And this is when, was it Chet dropped his bowl of uh, Ninja Turtles into the sewer in the first yeah. episode? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it says the fateful stumble. In the sewers beneath Manhattan, Hamato Yoshi's only companions were the sewer rats. Then one day, a little boy carrying a small glass bowl stumbled over a vent. His four pet turtles spilled into the opening and vanished from sight. Four baby turtles. Four baby turtles. (laughs) We all had to do it. We all had to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the next one's Turtles to the Rescue, and I think this is where they're climbing up to the Technodrome. Uh, Next one is Er, uh, No Thanks, and this is... Oh, this is where uh, Splinter's offering April some sushi. He's like, Sushi? <laughs> Are you gonna go through all these cards, man? <laughs> yes, the last one. Well, there's only five. Oh, okay. Uh, and then, and then the last one is zapped, and this is where Raphael is about to get zapped by one of the lasers in the Technodrome. So these are all from the first season. So I believe series one was all just the first season, which is kind of interesting because these were released in 1989, but the first season actually aired in 1987. So 87, yeah, yeah. So interesting stuff, guys. And I guess that's that's all. But, yeah, I'm really, really excited to have these cards. I've got them displayed in my game room. And uh, they're still pretty inexpensive. You can find these relatively easily. I don't know how many you can find unboxed or unopened. But, um, but yeah, uh, I'm going to try to keep this one sealed and just cheat a little bit and try to fish one out of the box without opening it. Nice. So there you go. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, shall we get into the comics? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, huh? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hello, Violators. You're in Casey's comic classroom. Prepare to be screwed. All right, guys. So today, as we said at the top of the show, we are covering IDW Universe issue 11 and the IDW ongoing series issue 71. So which one do you guys want to start with? Well, let's do issue 11. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Now, I, I have to say this about issue uh, 10 first. I kind of ragged on um, the, what was his name? King Toad? Yeah, the, that character. Like that. I kind of ragged on him with issue 9. I just, I had a hard time getting into the story. 
But I think issue 10 kind of made up for it because you get a little bit more of Angel's backstory. And um, I don't know if you guys have read issue 10, but uh, Angel, you find out a little bit about her home life, or at least her mom. Uh, she was killed by a drunk driver, I think. I think that's what it was. It was a car accident. I think she was killed by a drunk driver. So now you kind of see at least a glimpse of where Angel came from and why she actually is a gang member for the Purple Dragons. Also, Angel has a lot of things similar with Alapex because Alapex has lost some family members as well. So I like that parallel that Sophie Campbell had in issue 10. Um, I thought that was really, really cool. And issue 11 is quite different. So... I'm a little confused. Does the cover have two people in a car looking backwards? Yes, yeah. yes. It's a completely different storyline, yeah. Okay, all right. That's why I was like, what is he talking about? These characters? Yeah, I know, because uh, I think it was at 8 through eight through 10 was the King Toad, or maybe 9 and 10 9 were. And 10. 9 and 10. 9 and 10. King Toad. Right, right. And, uh, and then this one's like a completely different direction. Uh, so... I know very little about the uh, about the mute animals. I don't even know their names because I don't think they actually say their names, except for the one new character they they introduce. But I've got to say, I really liked this issue. I don't, as I said, I don't know much about the mute animals. I don't know their backgrounds or the characters really, um, other than uh, I know that they're supposed to be pretty sweet. Um, so front cover. And, and again, this is a perspective of me not knowing them. You see uh, a cat-looking chick on the left. <laughs> uh, looking over her shoulder, looking back through the the back of her car, uh, it yeah. looks like maybe there's some bullet holes. And then you've got this other dude on the right, which initially I thought was like Donatello mixed with Uncle Fester. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what he's supposed to be, but he looks like an overweight Ninja Turtle that's bald. But I don't think that's what he is. <laughs> Oh, you know, this is great because he doesn't know, you know, their their names. So we get this fresh new perspective, and it's, I guess, Dude, it's hilarious. His perspective's killing me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even read the issue, and I can tell you who that is. Come on. <laughs> so, so just for the record, Hosehead, uh, so the girl driving, that's Sally. and then yeah, the, Sally the, Pride, yeah. Yeah, Sally Pride. And she's a, what, what animal is she, a cheetah? She's a cat. No, not a cat. She's a so cat. So she's kind of like old Hob. Yeah, she's anti-old Hob, yeah. Right, and then the fat, the fat Uncle Fester Donatello is is um Ray Filet. Yeah, he's a man ray. Oh, okay, okay. You you gotta admit he does kind of look like a turtle, though, right? <laughs> oh yeah, he does. Okay, that, that right. cover doesn't do him much justice. No, it no. doesn't. Though. <laughs> they got him on his bad side. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the camera like... adds ten pounds. <laughs> How many cameras are on him? Yes. All right, so uh, Ray Filet and Sally—they're going down. They're going down. Uh, they're going down the road in this older car. Looks like it's probably uh, early '80s, late '70s. Uh, Two door. This thing's a boat. It looks awesome. And they're like <laughs> airborne. They're just like flying. And uh, and it's funny if you look at the license plate. It says uh, MTNT. I'm guessing that's for the mute animals. Oh, awesome! I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Uh, so the art style is, this is my first universe uh, issue that I've read, so the art style is quite different uh, than the IDW series. Uh, it's a little bit, I don't know, I guess brighter, a little bit more fun. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny you bring that up, Josh, because th this is a different writer and different artist than on, than most of the universe issues. So yeah. we got the writer uh, Rich Duke, I guess. And he, he, this is his first universe run, and I have to say, man, I really like his writing style, really, really do. And then the artist, once again, I think she's new to the universe, 
or he's new to the universe uh, series. His name is Aaron Conley. Uh, and then, oh, and we also have the, the Iron Lady for all the coloring was Rhonda Patterson. I mean, I know her name by heart because she colors everything. Well, this is the first time I've seen, at least in the Universe series, a different colorist, and it's Triona Farrell. So this is all new stuff here. So this is a whole new perspective. So so Ray and Sally are cruising down the road. They're kind of joking around a little bit about a radar detector detector, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> detector detector. There you go. Uh, no take backs. So, <laughs> so uh, Ray and Sally are cruising down the road, and apparently they're hunting for the Jersey Devil. Um, and I don't know, Rob, if you guys can provide some background. Do they are they just trying to find other mutants just to kind of bring they're, them into the fold? They're trying to they're trying to help other mutants if they can track any and find them and find them. They're just trying to kind of not necessarily to get them to join the mutant animals, but just so they can help other mutants. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Jersey Devil. They they were talking about that. I actually have a story about that, but I'll I'll keep it brief. My friend and I, my friend Jason and I, we actually thought the Jersey Devil was real when I was like five or six. And I remember we actually schemed in his treehouse one day. We we drew this map where we thought the Jersey Devil was. And we went out that night and actually went looking for him. We snuck out of our houses and looked for the Jersey Devil. That's crazy. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, you know, we were scared to death because we were like six six years old, seven years old. And, uh, and you were in Jersey. And I was in Jersey. I was like, he's got to be around. <laughs> yeah, so – uh anyways i digress go ahead that's great so uh yeah so they're they're on the hunt for this jersey devil um they're cruising along in her car uh and then it kind of cuts over to this group of mercenaries um kind of reminds me of predator (laughs) um yeah (laughs) yeah so they're getting directions from this uh this devil looking chick yeah madam null i think yeah it looks like they're mercenaries hired by this null company um, mm-hmm. And they're supposed to find. Uh, it seems like they're after Sally. They're supposed to bring her back, and they kind of go into the backstory a little bit. It seems like she was captured by Null, and they were training her to be some elite warrior. And Ray broke her out, so that's kind of how they got to know each other. Is that right, guys? It seems. Yeah, that that's exactly right. And okay. And Ray, like we get this interesting backstory of him. You know, he's saying, "Oh man, I had to do some terrible things," and it shows a scene where he's beating this poor mutant to death. I mean, you know, so they, they both have a pretty dramatic history, and, and that's why they're so close, because they kind of brought each other out of it. So uh, you see these mercenaries, and they're getting directions from uh, from this null executive lady with horns. Um, and uh, she says, you know, I don't want you to kill him, I want him alive. So they've got this back uh, backpack, they're all wearing, like, armor, they're fully decked out in tactical gear, and then each one of them has this glowing canister behind his head. And it looks like it's filled with ooze from Turtles 2. I'm assuming this is like a... <laughs> it's it's basically a mutagen. And they can control it, kind of like Bane. You know how he controls his the venom or whatever that goes in him? They can control yeah. when it gets released. So <laughs> they, they can kind of transform at will into, uh, into the mutants, which is pretty sweet. By the way, they look awesome, too, when they do. Oh, yeah, they do. And it's funny, the... Um, the one guy, the main guy, kind of—I thought he was a bear, but he kind of—it's—he almost looks like either a bear or a big jackal or something. I don't know what he yeah, is, but he looks really like cool. a timber wolf or something like that. He's just yeah, he's just a, a mammal of some kind, you know. That's that's what it and, is. And this is their first appearance, isn't it? Well, like we've never seen these guys before, have we? No, no, so. these are just another extension of the Null Corporation. And I mean, unless they showed up in the Mutanimals, one. Uh, series that came out like three years ago i don't remember them yeah i don't don't know yeah so they're they're cruising along and they're looking for uh the jersey devil and so they're driving along and then they almost hit something crossing the street 
and this thing it's some kind of animal it kind of flips over the car he he looks in the window and he's kind of mad because he almost got hit and he goes wait you're you're like me uh and then it shows him and it's crash bandicoot (laughs) (laughs) oh man i love those games (laughs) (laughs) i seriously thought he was a bandicoot but it's uh apparently he's not a bandicoot he's a jackal with uh with dreadlocks so yeah, he flips over. He looks really cool. He's got he's got a bandana going. He's got Safarian looking necklace. He's got um like a camo camo pants and a green vest. So uh and his his tail is kind of big and bushy. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, I wonder if he talks like this, man. <laughs> I kind of wonder about that, but maybe yeah. not. He told he totally does though. He he does talk like that in this comic. So, and his name is Dreadmon. So yes, I would go with yes. So uh, so they meet each other, and uh, Dreadmon. It turns out he's from the Congo, and uh, it looks like he was kind of conscripted by uh, conscripted to join the military at a very young age, where they were just kind of taking kids, throwing guns in their hands, and expecting them to fight a war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's that's crazy, man. How deep that went right there. It's like, oh man, this turtle's book is a different level of crazy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because, like, even though, I mean, it's sad to say that that stuff actually does happen. It just, it's kind of surprising to see that they went with that amount of reality with a Turtles book, you know? That's kind of cool that they keep it, they kind of keep it uh, relevant, right? So you can understand. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not knocking it. It's just, it's really surprising. I mean, it's cool. I like it. Right. Yeah, I like it, too. Yeah. Yeah, they got the stones to do it. Yeah. So it turns out that after um, after the war, basically he didn't have any money, and there was someone offering to do a science experiment, uh, and it offered to pay more than he could earn in a year, so he did it, uh, and that's how he got um, mutated. Now, was he he was in the Archie series, right? Uh, yeah, him, like the mutanimals were you know Leatherhead, Ray Filet, Mondo Gecko, Dreadmon, and Jaguar, and Wingnut and Screwloose, and. Uh, I remember Jaguar and Dreadmon were always two of my favorites because I always wanted action figures of those and they never made them. Um, was there not a Dreadmon one? No, no, there wasn't. No, I, I remember I always wanted those and they never made them. Oh, but, wow. Uh, yeah, I think he was he was a, a hyena in the original one, not not a jackal. Oh. Uh, which makes more sense because, I mean, I, I don't know exactly where hyenas are but jackals are pretty native to the uh the congo area in africa mm-hmm. um but yeah really i like his design i like this more realistic design to him you know it's, he's got different coloring and everything he looks a little bit different more modern where the other one he was he had like a grass skirt on and everything you know we're both rocking that 1990s we can be casually racist humor that they have <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grass skirts and tiki stuff, you know, whatever. It was good stuff. <laughs> this is from the same line that made a witch doctor elephant mutant as a toy. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting that both of these comics came out at the same exact time. You know, the issue eleven of Universe and seventy one of the ongoing series, and you've yeah. got these two characters returning. So that's really cool. So, oh yeah, I, that, I didn't want to let the cat out of the bag. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I see what you did there, dude. Yeah, when we get there, man, Jaguar, dude. Do I love Jaguar in this new series? <laughs> oh god, she is amazing. Anyway, she's, she's tough, man. Yeah, she's, is she a she? Yeah, she's a she. Yeah. Oh, because they call her sister throughout the whole thing. She's yeah. uh, oh, I missed that. Yeah. 
So anyway, uh, they meet Dreadmon. He explains his backstory, uh, and instantly Ray Filet kind of just wants to leave him. And uh, he says, <laughs> uh, I used to think old Hobbes' prejudice against human-born mutants was short-sighted and ridiculous, but now I see why he thinks that way. So it's kind of interesting that um, it's he, 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 I guess he doesn't like him because he chose to become a mutant. Uh, I'm not really sure. It doesn't exactly say. Uh, it's kind of an interesting dynamic to the story. Um, because it's like they, they're going out just to help mutants. And just because he's human-born, uh, he kind of doesn't want to help them now. Yeah, because he says something like, you know, if, if given the chance, would you go back to being a human being? And Dreadmon's like, yeah. And did I understand that right? And that's why oh, Ray yeah. is ticked. He's like, so you're, you know, my my interpretation of that was, oh, so you're ashamed to be a mutant. And he's like, that's yeah. why. He's like, Sally, we're done here. Let's go. Yeah, because, like, he asked um, Dreadmon straight up. He's like, if you had the choice, would you get mutated again? And he's like, no. And and man, Ray, or Ray Filet says, that's the thing. I never had a choice. And then they walk away. And I was like, oh, man, okay, so... He want he. What's kind of cool is he's got this moral compass of be like you know you should be proud of who you are. Yeah. Just as they're kind of about to part ways, I guess um, uh, the mercenaries show up, and this time all four of the mercenaries are, um, I guess, mutated, and they all yeah. look like different forms of wolves or something of the sort. Uh, they look and it's really cool. cool. Yeah, I mean they've all they're all decked out in tactical gear. Um, they're a veritable of, wolf pack. Oh. <laughs> Um, one of them's got the Bionic Commando arm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bionic Commando, I love it. And the other one's got a, uh, of that. <laughs> guy. yeah, it's great. I mean, they just look, uh, they look really cool. Gosh, I really want toys of these, man. I know. I was thinking that. I was like, I have more toys, man. Come on. Yeah, please. So, uh, so the mercenaries attack, uh, and they're trying to run away. Ray Filet gets hit with three tranquilizer darts. Uh, and then they pick up the back of the car, which is Real World Drive, so they can't go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> and then Ray Filet busts out. Uh, he shoots the guy holding the car up. He gets grabbed, and he tells them to leave. So they, uh, you know, Sally and Dreadmon end up screeching away in the car and leaving Ray Filet so that they can escape. Uh, and then, you know, as they're driving away, Sally explains that, you know, she just can't leave Ray after everything they've been through. And she he was the thing that got her through uh, her imprisonment and all the struggles that she That's had. probably my favorite panel in the whole book is where she's driving and there's that flashback of Ray holding Sally's hand in the cells. I love that scene. That is such a cool... And it's it's so brief, that little backstory, but you you finally see the connection and how much they mean to each other. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And it's, again, it kind of shows that these uh, these stories can... We can really relate to them. Yeah. yeah, and they could have stories that mean something, even though it's ridiculous that you've got a mutated cat and Stingray and Jackal, <laughs> and you know, it's they can still uh, they can still tell a very compelling story that's uh, that kind of that kind of grabbed you. It's pretty cool. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah, and that's the greatest so, thing about the Ninja Turtles. They've always done stuff like that. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know, they, you could look at it that it's for kids, but really, it's not. All the stories that they tell, it's uh, actually relatable to things that we can understand you know yeah this issue is not for kids man <laughs> no definitely not this is, a, this is a really dark issue yeah yeah so uh the mercenaries end up kind of catching up to them uh and they end up shooting at the car blowing out one of the tires uh and then they're you know hand-to-hand combat again basically and it was pretty cool there's a scene where they're they're trying to get Dreadmon, and you can tell he's pretty experienced with combat uh obviously from a young age and uh, one of the mercenaries is coming after him, 
and he just can't quite seem to get a hold of him because <laughs> he's just he's he's uh, he's diving out of the way. He's very nimble. It was pretty sweet, and they're getting frustrated, and so they're about to uh, they're about to shoot him, uh, and then the the leader of the mercenaries kind of stops the uh, snaps the guy from shooting him and pulls him aside and and explains to him you know that they actually want to recruit him. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting dynamic. And he seems kind of reluctant. And he ends up, uh, you know, agreeing to to join them. And I don't know if he's really wanting to join them or if he's just doing it because he feels like he has to. I, I kind of feel like he's doing it because he has to and it might give him a chance to, to save Sally. What do you guys think? Well, they give him, they give him an, a... Uh... They give him a really good incentive because they figure out the reason, like, all this, like, Wolfpack guys, even the reason they're all, like, they've got cybernetic arms or eyes or something like that is because the mutagen tank that they all wear to turn, they can turn themselves into mutants but turn themselves back human because the mutagen is being filtered at such a rate of these cybernetics that they're using. So that's what makes them go back and forth. And it's like, and so he tells Dreadmon, you know, we'll give you this ability, too. You know, so where you so can turn back human, yeah, where you can turn back to being a human whenever you where whenever you want, you know, because like Dreadmon does not want to be a mutant, and so that's they're enticing him with that. So it's kind of like you know, yeah, I I don't want to be hunted anymore, but now you tell me I can be human again, yeah, where do I sign up? <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, he agrees, and then there it seems like uh, this part's a little bit confusing. He says, uh, "Waster tear apart," and Waster's got Sally held up and it looks like he's about to do a backbreaker on her wwf style <laughs> um and then uh this armored car comes out of nowhere and just totally just slams into him yeah awesome and takes him out and ray filet flips open the door he's like get in <laughs> come with me if you want to live we had three terminators <laughs> oh, that was great that was great yeah, what he was gonna—he had to prove his worth, though. Like he, they said, the Dreadmonts, like you can—you can join us, but you got to kill Sally to prove that you're—that you'll uh, be a part of our team. Yeah. So that was—that was where Dreadmont was about to be like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> yeah, he says, I, I made a vow a long time ago, never to use one of those again. All right, he said, yeah. honor that vow, and I'll go with you. And yeah, so kudos to him. At least he has like a moral compass that he goes by. Why were they going to kill her? Because weren't they supposed to bring her back alive? I don't understand that. That was confusing. Oh. Well, you know, casualties, man. It was a coup. Strange things happen in a coup, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did they only want Ray Filet and didn't really care about Sally? Or I don't know why. I think they wanted they wanted to get as many as they could. But yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, it was unclear who the mission was for. I assume the mission was for Sally, but they didn't actually say. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. The way I thought it, I, the way I read it, I thought it was for Dreadmon. I thought it was for him. Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay. So both both Ray and uh, Sally were kind of expendable. Yeah, they're lost causes. So uh, the mercenaries chase after the armored car. One of them ends up ripping the top off of it with his yeah. uh, with his bionic commando arm. <laughs> uh, so he, rips, <laughs> he rips the top of it off, and then uh, uh, Dreadmon actually picks up a gun. And holds it to his head to try to save, you know, Ray and Sally, which is kind of cool that he he's willing to, yep. I guess, go back on it just to save them. And he goes, oh, "Who are you kidding me, kid? I know you're not going to shoot." And then Sally goes, "He doesn't need to," and she just blasts him right across the face. Ah, oh, so good, such a good action great. scene. Yeah, and so he he falls off the back of the truck, and the rest of the mercenaries find him, and they're like, uh, they're asking, you know, is he dead? 
and he just goes, not even close. And he, he stands up, and you can see half of his face is missing. I love that. It's he's awesome. Like, he's like a Terminator cat. Or wolf. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Like, all of the skin and hair is gone, and you just see this metal exoskeleton. How um, does that change back to human, though? <laughs> it's a polymimetic alloy. That's a, he's a cybernetic organism. <laughs> Nobody's going to ask that. Just draw something cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like so, a Michael uh, Bay movie. Don't ask. It looks cool. <laughs> so they end up escaping, and they uh, eventually pull over, and they start talking to Dreadmon and offering for him to join them. Uh, and it's interesting. He decides, you know, I've been hunted all my life, um, but basically decides he wants to run free. And he said, uh, you know, well, you know, you should join us so that we can make other mutants free. And he says, uh, it's up to you. The two of you grew up in cages. The sad thing, I know. But the worst thing you could do is to trade those cages for another one, even uh, one that you make yourself. That's good. So that was that was pretty interesting. So I guess he doesn't really want to be bound to, uh, I guess, having that type of duty. He just wants to be himself and run free. Yeah, we all know that'll last. When's he coming back? When... <laughs> We might not see him for a while. That That's the only thing that makes me sad. It's like, ah, uh, we might not see him for another 20, 30 issues. We might not, but it's just kind of like, it is kind of cool, like, what you can do with this universe uh, series where it's just like, that dude's out there. We showed him once, maybe twice, but he's out there and, you know, that's all That's all you see of him, you know? Yeah. And you know, you know what's incredible, too, is the turtles aren't in this issue at all. Nope. And yet, it's such a really compelling story because these mutant animals, dang it, they're they're pretty interesting. Yeah. So this was my first universe episode I'd ever ever read. Uh, again, as you can tell, me not knowing the characters or anything, but uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I'm glad you did, man. So you, you are you sold on the series now? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I even own some of the comics. I think I picked them up back when I had a subscription. I just didn't have time to read them, so I'm, I'm definitely going to have to go back and check them out. But, yeah, um, I, I'll be interested to see the other writers and art styles, as you guys mentioned, that they're done by somebody else. So mm-hmm. is this is this the only one so far that is done with this? Uh... I think so, with, with okay. this uh, tandem. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen this writer. I don't think he's written for... Yeah, I think this is his first Turtles uh, comic, at least in in this modern era. I, I don't recognize that name. I know he didn't write for the ongoing series. Um, Who's the writer again? Uh, let me look again. It is Rich Duke, D-O-U-E-K. And the artist is Aaron Conley. And I love both of these both of these guys. I think they did a really good job with this issue. Yeah, that's it's awesome. I mean, if, if I had to rate this one, not having any expectations, uh, I'd... I'd probably give it like a nine or a ten because I don't know how they could have done anything any better. It held my attention even though I didn't know any of the characters or any of the story. It's cool that it's it's a snapshot and they give you just enough to understand the background of the characters without going into too much detail or boring you, you know. And you yeah. kind of get a feel where they're coming from, uh, and then you get to see their their characters kind of uh, develop a little bit, and then you got tons of action. So I think it's it's pretty much a perfect one shot kind of comic. Yeah, I'd recommend to pretty much anybody. Uh, wholeheartedly agree, man. Yeah, I mean, agree. even if you're not a Turtles fan because they're not even in here, it's still a great comic. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, another thing is we don't. This is one of the. I think this is the first universe issue where we don't have a little short story at the end, so it doesn't bother me. You know that this was just one giant story, and I and I, I agree with what you said, Jay Weezy. I think um, you know with this issue, I'd give it a nine as well. It's one of the best one shots I've read. This is probably tied with my favorite 
universe issue so far, and that was the one with Donatello and Metalhead. Uh, what, remember when Metalhead went crazy? Yeah, um, became Ultron. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if not even, I favor this one maybe even a little bit more, and I, I'm kind of surprised at that. Uh, but I really thought th- this. I think what the universe does really well is what Jay Z Weezy said. It makes you care about these side characters even more. So when you read the ongoing issue with these side characters, you care even more. You know, so yeah, even uh, the even the villains. I mean, they could have just done generic, you know, mercenaries. But you, it, the issue kind of makes you wonder about yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, and think, man, they're really cool. I wish I had an action figure of them, stuff like that, you know? I know. The designs are awesome. That's what I'm saying about this artwork, man. Uh, really, really sold on it. Um, I love this issue. I'd give it a 9 out of 10. So what, what about you, Worksteady? You know what? This one, you know, it's pretty pretty close to perfect for me, too. I'm giving this one a 9. It's tied for my favorite universe book along with uh, – Team into Universe number six, the first appearance of Worm. That's still the best universe. Oh count. wow! Yeah, that's man, your favorite? absolute. What's that? That's your favorite one. That's my favorite one. Yeah, number six when Michelangelo fought Worm in the sewers. It's my favorite one. Uh, this one is right there because it's got so many. This hits the nostalgia bone in me, man. <laughs> I love, love Ray Fillet, love Dreadman, love those old school Mutanimals. I can't wait to one day, because you know, in my opinion, it's going to happen within like the next year, maybe even two. Um, you're going to see that classic Archie Adventures uh, Mutanimals team. You know, it's going to be yeah, Man Ray, or Ray Filet, Dreadmon, Jaguar, Wingnut, Screwloose, Leatherhead, Slash. You're going to see all of them side by side helping the Turtles out, if only for one issue. You're going to see it. And this is a step in the right direction towards achieving that. You know, I like that. So, you know, I, I wholeheartedly agree. The only thing that makes me terrified about them all being together is they better not kill them off like they did that first Archie series. <laughs> no, they're not going to do that. I don't. I don't think they would because like that, that that killing them off in the original series was never the intention. They just did right, that because true. you know I've been through it before. I'll probably do it again one day, but I won't do it here because it takes too long. But there were there were business reasons why uh, yeah. they were killed off. But I yeah. kind of think what you're going to do is like the original, the new mutant animals are going to get captured, and the old school mutant animals are going to go save them. You know, just expendable style. Go take them all out and go get their buddies back home. That's that's what I think is going to happen one day. Yeah, good yeah. stuff, man. Well, guys, uh, I'm going to have to sign off here. I'm about out of time. Oh, um, sure, buddy. But okay. yeah, the, you know, thanks for having me on. Loved, uh, loved being on with you guys. It was fun. It's really great way to start a Saturday morning. You know, after a hard <laughs> week, it's it's great to talk turtles with you guys. Even O'Rourke, you're all right, dude. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I just, you know what? I, I, you should be thanking me. I didn't mention Venus de Milo one time. You know, don't worry. And you just did. And you just did. We almost That's made true. it an entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> you blew it. That's going to be my one question to Kevin Eastman next week. So it's going to uh, be like, when's Venus coming back, dude? You know what? I wouldn't mind that. I'm really curious because I know you said that he liked her, so I'm I'm really curious if that's true. Like, yeah, yeah, we're we're definitely gonna have to hear about that. So, yeah, cool guys. I'll uh, I'll catch you guys later. And uh, just wanted to say thanks again to our TurtleCom callers. That was really cool to hear that. So uh, keep calling us, guys. All right, Jay Weezy. Hey, good talking to you, man. And you All have right. a good one, buddy. All right, later. All right, Take see care, you, All right, my All friend. Right. You now want... that that's over with, okay. <laughs> get, get ready to cowabunga me. Here we go. 
Oh, good deal. While I'm doing that, I will say, because I'm waiting for this thing to load, let me just say, <laughs> kids, go to the App Store, and if you've got an iPad or, or any your phone or whatever, go to the App Store and download the TMNT IDW Comics app. That It just... Yeah, every Turtles comic you want, you know, everything that IDW has been putting out past, past and present. It's a great tool to have, especially if you're podcasting. So (laughs) especially if you're a collector like me that doesn't collect individual comic books, they get the uh, trade paperbacks. That's what you got to do. So, yeah, I mean, and let's face it, there are so many Ninja Turtle comics out there, so many side series, crossovers, micro series. I mean, there's there's so many different volumes to keep up with it does actually really help i prefer the the print copies but it's going to take me years to finish all of the collections i don't i only have one (laughs) image book right now and i want to definitely work on that so i definitely prefer the uh paper copies too but i'm really i'm being practical here it's like i have no place for them so unless it's a trade paperback you know a collection with five issues in it i'm not going to buy it you know because i remember i started last year like just collecting the volume four books you know i've got like 23 or 24 volume four books and i'm really looking at it it's like where am i going to even put these so right (laughs) i I cut that off right there so i mean let's be real i'm not going to get every comic none of us are going to get every comic uh excuse me none of (laughs) okay sorry none of none of me are going to get every comic (laughs) well i mean one day one day because you don't stop believe <laughs> you know what dude outside of like this the old school archie series and this idw series I, I really don't have much interest like i don't i mean to be honest i don't really have much interest in the image books i mean it's it would be something I, if it was a digital thing i would totally get them but i just don't want to track down and spend the money for those paper copies because those are expensive and they should yeah, be they're not cheap. A small run yeah you know and i don't I don't want to spend the money on the the old school Mirage books because it's, it's some of them get ridiculously expensive and there're not many of them. You know, Tales of the TMNT, there's too many of those. I'm not getting Oh, I love those too though. I know, man. I I wish I could get like a greatest hits co- collection of them. Like you know what you know what I would like you to do, Rob, for me, you know, since you're a huge Tales of the TMNT guy. Yeah. Go through your books for me one day and figure out, like, the best stories that I should get, that I should look into. Issue 9. Issue 9? Is that the path? Volume 2, Issue 9, yep. (laughs) And I think Issue 11? Yeah, I'll I'll definitely do that for you, man. I'll go back and and check them because I'd like to go through them again myself. I've not read some of them since they came out. But um, I know we talked to Jim Lawson with Issue 9, of course. I think that was our first interview with him. And then uh, we talked about, I want to say it was Issue 11 or 12. That was the black and white, like, silhouette issue. Oh, where, okay. Where Leonardo killed that guy. I haven't, I don't know. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, were, were you not, oh, were you not on for that show? I've never interviewed Lawson, no. <gasps> oh, that's right. Oh, are you, even for the Rat King one, you weren't there? No, no, we never did. No, we, I remember, uh, before I was on this show, I sent you a question, uh, about him, about the Rat King. And oh wow! I thought you were on that show. I'm no, sorry. no, I, I sent forgot you, all about that. I sent you a question. I sent you a couple questions about him. But uh, wow, we got to make that happen soon, buddy. Yeah. Well, I remember we were supposed to talk to Lost <laughs> back in January. Yeah. And yeah. he just technical difficulties. What? He's my hero. He's my all-time probably favorite comic book writer and artist. Because yeah, the path. He, I mean, I love IDW, but I, for me, nothing will top the path because it's just. 
I don't know. It just hits the heartstrings more than anything else I've ever read for me. Yeah, but yeah. everyone's different, you know. You know, for me, it's that it's that first it's that first issue with that Kevin Eastman Imperial Lair did, and then it's issue four of uh, Tales from the TMNT, the introduction of Rat ah, King. Like, yes, those two issues and um, issue eleven of the original Mirage books, where it's just April talking about the turtles in Northampton. Ah, yeah. Those three one. issues just. They're they're the reason I write, you know. They're, specifically, they're the reason I write turtles, you know. And That's good stuff, man. And you know, speaking of issue eleven, we're going to be covering that next. Oh, are we? Yeah, we're on issue. Uh, we just reviewed issue ten. So, and as a matter of fact, since this is the modern era, the next episode is going to be the classic era, and we're on issue eleven. So there you go, man. All right, that's next Saturday. I'm on that one, man. Next I'm... Saturday, you got it. <laughs> man, yeah. Okay, so, but yeah, I, I absolutely absolutely love those three issues and racking has always been my favorite turtles character like i mean i love casey jones love usagi ojimbo you know there's a lot of characters that are new to me you know especially since i started getting into the action figure collecting over the last year well specifically the old school action figures um like you know scratch uh, I really love King Lionheart, Mondo Gecko. Really love all those characters, you know. But Rat Man. King has always just been like when I think of the term sympathetic villain, I think of Rat King, you know. Right, right, yeah, and especially the, you know, the the first conception of him. Now, now the IDW one's quite different, but and as a matter of fact, we're going to see that in this issue too. Yeah, um, the IDW but... one goes a little bit, it goes kind of Freddy Krueger, which. <laughs> I, I haven't really been a fan of him until this issue because. Oh, interesting! I was wondering what you'd think of him. Yeah, because somebody stri- somebody straight up calls out like, "Do you always have to be that way?" And uh, Rat King pretty much says, "Yes, this it's is kind of my I job. Do. Yeah, this is what <laughs> I do." And it's kind of like, you know what? I get that. You know, because I I think like the most relatable thing about Rat King, even back into 1985 when he was first created, or 86 maybe. Where it was just, this is just what he does. You know, he doesn't understand it. He doesn't know what it is, but it's just him. That's him. He is a monster, you know. God, and, tough, and, man. and everybody's got that. At one point in time, somebody's going to mention to you, do you really, like, you know, I'm sure, like, one of your friends that isn't, like, a retro fan or just a super fan of one particular uh, piece of pop culture, they'll just be like, dude, do you really, like, the turtles that much why do you like them so much and it's just like that's it's just who i am this is just, by now this is just who we are we are tur- part of us is just a turtle fan you know oh yeah that's true sometimes you can't even put in words why you love something so yeah. much you just do it just it's just that's what you love and you can't even yeah. explain why sometimes and in your head you've got every explanation i've got every single explanation as to why I, the turtles mean so much to me as to why from like just, but it would take hours to explain to somebody it would and then and then <laughs> Every time somebody's asked me to explain it, the only thing that's ever come out is I just do. I, just, I know that's the short answer. I just you know, do, man. There's so many reasons. <laughs> yeah, like there's a like the greatest answer is just like you know, well, there's so many themes of identity and what each turtle means and how they relate to each other and how they relate to the reader and how they are all the same personality, but extremely different versions of the same personality. Uh-huh. Blah 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 blah. I just like them. I just love them. They are they are. They are mine, and I am theirs. You know, <laughs> that last part sounded creepy. I'm sorry. I just I like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. 
Uh, and then, you know, that, that same person who asked the question about an hour later, they they're really gone. regret asking the question. <laughs> I know, they're, they're, gone. they're thinking about, I'm trying to explain it and they're like, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? You know? Yeah. 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 Tune you out. I know what you mean. Well, good stuff, man. And you know what? About this particular issue, I really like this issue because we finally get a breakdown of the Pantheon. And there were characters in the Pantheon that I didn't even know were in there. They weren't introduced until just now. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Some so... straight-up scary members of the Pantheon, man. No kidding. No oh, kidding. Oh, dude, that guy that lives in water who's half who's half squid. Oh, God. Yeah, what, what was his name? Um, <laughs> we'll we'll oh. get there. We'll get there. We'll, we'll yeah, explain yeah. all of them, yeah. Because they, okay. they literally do a roll call of everybody. It's like, okay. They do. Here's the villains for the next year's worth of comics. So. <laughs> All which right, I man, take, so do you want which, me... which actually, I'm sorry to say, I take issue with because this is issue 71. The next issue probably coming out next month is issue 72. And if you remember the free comic book day, the Turtles go to Dimension X in issue 73. So are we seeing all these villains that are going to be taken out next month? No, I, I'd say, I say what happens is, um, well, that's true. Yeah, if you think about the end of this issue, it makes you wonder. Yeah. Or is it just going to be like... finally show up. Is it just going to be like, okay, who are you? Okay, see you next year. Yeah, I mean, you, you, obviously they're immortal, so I don't know how you, as, as a writer, I don't know how you get rid of them. Yeah, but, is, uh, is yeah. this the first kind of plot hole in all of this? I don't know. I doubt I, it. I don't but... know. I doubt it. With Tom Waltz, I doubt it. Tom, Tom Waltz, I mean, it's a team of writers on this book by now. It's a, it's so good that it's one dude coming up with, with all of this. And then him, Kevin Eastman, and then you know the guys at Universe are just like, okay, what if we do this because we want to do this? Okay, you want to do that, so we'll do this. You know yeah. this huge timeline that they got on a spreadsheet someplace. But That's true. That's true. And I think they complement each other so well. You know, like, uh, again, with the, the mute animals, man, it just makes you – when you see them on the ongoing now, it's like, oh, you care about them so much more because – I didn't know much about Sally, but after that Universe 11 issue, I'm like, wow, I really like Sally, and I really, really like Ray Filet. Yeah, I know. Always Especially did, when but you now like I found out that he was a prisoner who had to literally fight his way out of it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah. yeah you see dude. why Old Hob picked him. It's like, that's why he's part of Old Hob's crew. Oh, can I say something? Speaking of Old Hob, I finally caught up with the whole issue leading up to 71. Yeah. And uh, listeners, here's a little backstory for you. In the last issue for issue 70, spoilers here, by the way, we probably should have said that at the top of the show. This is all modern stuff. This is all spoilers here. So if you've not read these issues, please, if you don't want to hear the ending of these issues, please, please, please don't listen yet. Read the issue first and then come back. I may edit that into the beginning of the show. But uh, in issue 70, Old Hob is the man. I love oh, Old Hob in man. issue 70. He owns yeah. the whole uh, Blackwater team. Man, he owns everybody. Yeah, even going back to issue 69, at the very end of that, uh, the Turtles, they're sitting in their lair, and they're complaining about all these things they can't do. Old Hobbs just sitting there, and it shows a panel of him toward the end of that issue where he just looks angry at just hearing hearing the Turtles say, okay, we can't do this, we can't attack Bishop because of this technology they have right now, we, we can't do anything yet. And as Donatello is trying to explain that to the Turtles... Old Hob, he sneaks out the window. Yeah. And the very last panel of issue 69 is him holding a gun to Bishop's father's head. And yeah. that's how it ends. I know. And I'm it's... like, oh my gosh. That's kind of what, man, I remember when I hated Old Hob, but I remember seeing that panel with Old Hob with a, with a gun up to somebody's head and just being like, that's Old Hob. That's what he would do. Yeah. Be like, 
you're so afraid of their technology. This is all you have to do to beat them. You know? Right. And you know what? For once, like, I, I had a feeling, oh, God, old Hob, you know, sometimes he's impulsive. I had a feeling it was going to backfire on him. But issue 70, old Hob's plan worked. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. You know, because he uh, holds half works, I guess. I mean, bottom line of what happens in issue 70 is old Hob calls the Turtles, tells them where he's at. He's at um, Agent Bishop's father's nursing home, I guess. Yeah. And also, somehow he's kidnapped one of the colonel's, the colonel's wife. And his plan is to hold them hostage until they can get their friends free. I thought that was, um, that all was, the, uh, that was the colonel's nurse. The colonel's nurse? Yeah. He had a nurse? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. You said colonel. And I was like, that was Bishop's dad's rank in the military. But I'm sorry. That was my bad. Uh, yeah, that, that one Blackwater dude, right? Yes, the, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, oh, I called this early on, or at least I thought this early on. I thought he was a good guy, the the guy who's working for Bishop. Yeah, he was just, he it was just a job to him. That's all it was, was he's... It's just a that's job. what he yeah. does, yeah. And I mean, I and that's true for a lot of those guys. I mean, I've known guys like this. I've met guys like that before, where it's just, they do some shady, dirty stuff, but it is literally nine to five. It's just, I go home, I see my wife, <laughs> I play with my kid, I have a hamburger, and then the next day I wake up and do it all again. You know, that's, that's just them. You know, that is their... That is their nine to five. And now and then you meet some people that are like super crazy making necklaces out of ears and kind of a thing, but whatever. <laughs> but like I really liked that guy. I think uh Colonel Knight or something like that was his name. Yeah. Yeah. Really liked that. Like Bishop's dad, who was like a super top secret government secret agent. Scary dude. Yeah. Scary dude. But now he's like an old guy in a nursing home living with dementia. Yeah. During yeah. this whole hostage situation has a dementia episode and just has no idea what's going on. I mean, it's almost, that's the only, I mean, obviously that the whole thing is that old Hob is doing is kind of disreputable. But like at that point, it just becomes almost unforgivable because you know, old Hob would kill that old man. He would. Yeah. Yeah. That's But true. he was banking on agent Bishop loving his dad and agent Bishop doesn't, does not love his dad anymore. He said, Oh, that guy there, that guy with dementia, that is not my dad. Yeah. My dad was this strong leader who hated mutants, who wanted to eradicate them from the planet. You know what? I don't care if he dies. And as a matter of fact, at the end of that, at the end of that issue, a very violent scene. He has Slash, who is controlled virtually, like by this headset that uh, Bishop's wearing, destroy his father. I mean, and it's a graphic scene. There's blood everywhere. Yeah, I was I mean, just, just going to ask him. you if that's what happened. Yeah, I'm trying to find the panel here, so. Oh my goodness. Old Hobbs like, "Oh crap, I didn't bank on that happening." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh so, you know, but eventually the turtles get the upper hand and we finally see that Agent Bishop isn't really a human being at all. Not anymore. He's an android. He he's uh he's a a robot because another thing I love about issue 70. So, we finally see Old Hobbs plan work for once and I love that part. We finally get some validation that old Hob, he is useful. He is very useful. And when push comes to shove and he's, somebody's got to get their hands dirty, he's the one to do it. But another thing I loved about this issue, Leonardo. He's another one. Most of the time when Leonardo leads, sometimes things go wrong. Yeah. You know? Sometimes, you know, something backfires for poor Leo. And, and that's in every series, you know? And that's why he always questions himself as a leader. Well, guess what? In this one, it works. His plans work, and he shows up as the strong hero and actually cuts 
Bishop's hands off and and cuts that headset off that's controlling Slash. Yeah. yeah. And an old Hob is got after um, Bishop's father is killed. Old Hob has the Colonel's wife at gunpoint, and he says, "Look, I will kill your wife if you don't free my friends." And the wife's begging the colonel, saying, please, just listen to him. And Bishop's saying, I don't care. We don't negotiate with mutants. We don't do that. I'm sorry. And the colonel says, you may not negotiate with mutants, but I do. That is my wife, and this is just a job. Yep. And he actually does free the mutanimals back to the turtles. The only one that isn't returned is Slash because the cops show up and they need to leave right away. But you know, and Michelangelo, to his credit, really worries about Slash, and and they they all kind of understand that eventually they can go back and get him, and that's how issue seventy ends. And and I'm, I don't mean to take so much time to explain that one, but I just wanted to say how good of yeah. an issue issue seventy one. Well, don't feel bad before we, we get into we this one. We kind of skipped from sixty seven to seventy one, so or sixty eight. That's true. That's yeah. true. But uh, yeah, a lot went into this. Like there was a great like issue sixty eight. Yeah, sixty eight or sixty nine was really good too like you had this it was again sally pride but now she was with mondo gecko and it was just him yeah. just sneaking around a dark water base and just yeah <laughs> um like i didn't know this but mondo gecko he's not a gecko he's a chameleon like he can make himself go invisible and just as long as he quiet mm-hmm. he's quiet and doesn't move much you won't see him and so he's just sneaking everywhere in this base and taking out doctors and taking out security teams and it was a really cool Mondo Gecko issue. Again, a Mondo Gecko it issue. Was. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> but see, I told you, Mondo Gecko, man. I told you, he's one of the greats. He is. And You're right. uh, the only thing, if it were me writing, I would have totally just had Leo chop off Bishop's head. Just like he's done. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But you gotta get. But a then story you gotta going. get. A, but then you gotta think of another villain. It's like, okay, fine. <laughs> I, because comics. Yeah. So, because like, comics. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we all know Shredder's going to come back, you know. Right. Just, we, we all know Old Hob is going to go bad again, and the Oh, you think him. so? I think there's going to not bad. There's going to be a disagreement that can't be resolved. That's I could see him storming off one day. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Like, if he had shot this old uh, Bishop's dad, that would have been the divide between the turtles and the mutanimals. Ah, uh, true. True. You know, it that's... was it was actually a stroke of luck that Slash killed the dad. You know. That's a good point, because, yeah, I mean, he he was willing to do it. I mean, I don't he, think he was He bluffing. was about to, yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point, you know, and, and I'd, I'd hate to see I hate to see him go, because he is probably my favorite character in the series right now. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? Splinter would have done the same thing. You think so? You think Splinter would have held Bishop's dad at gunpoint? I, you know, sword point. Or, he, or yeah, you know true. what? He would have had somebody else do it. Ah, true, Jenica or something. Yeah, he would have had his assassin take out, fine, do it. It's the only way to really, at the time, Hobbs' idea was, this is the only way to get at Bishop. This is the one weak link he's got. And then it turns out that, well, he didn't care about that either, so we're just kind of, we might be kind of screwed, maybe. We don't know. (laughs) Well, all right, guys. So I guess the whole point of (laughs) us recapping this stuff is, Guys, there's some really good stuff going on in the Ninja Turtle comics. I mean, really, it's 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 been this way since day one with uh, Volume 5 here. But these last few issues, they're kind of fresh in my mind because I had bought these issues quite some time ago, and I finally just caught up 
last night was yeah. I read the last three uh, issues and uh, actually finished up with issue seventy one this morning and really really interesting stuff. So so Hoser, do you wanna do you wanna drive on this one or you want me to do it? Yeah, I got you. Okay, you got it. So take us in, man. Okay, so issue seventy one deals with you know the Toad King. Do they even give him a name? I th- I think they do. I don't do they Toad yeah. Baron. You know, hold on real quick. Yeah, you wanted me to take you in, and then I do this. Hold on, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're uh, good, buddy. Okay, his name is Toad Baron. Toad Baron, and, yeah. Yeah, he is another member of the Pantheon family. Yeah, big family too, by the way. Yeah, we find out that there's eight members, eight members of the Pantheon family. Um, actually, actually nine, but we'll get into that. And well, actually, it's ten, but we'll get there. So yeah, true. Can I ask you something about Toad real quick? Yes. Is he a villain? I'm wondering if he's even a bad guy. He is a... Okay, so these Pantheon characters, they're all gods, right? Yeah, they're all immortals. He is basically the god of wine and spirits. He is the god of, let's throw a party. Rat King is a trickster god. Uh, Jaguar is a warrior goddess. Uh, Kitsune is a god of deception. Aka is a goddess of nature and spirit, you know, and on and on and on. And, and she is a woman. For the longest time, I thought, uh, or no, wait, she, she, he's a guy, right? No, Aka, the the oldest one, Aka is a lady. Yeah, Aka's a woman. Oh. They, they, they make mention that she's the oldest one, and, you know, just, like, old people kind of look alike, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh! So now you're making fun of old people too. <laughs> yeah, man, just, nobody's safe. Nobody's safe with Joshua Rourke. Nobody's old safe Rourke's at all. Safe. Not twelve year old kids. Not the elderly. <laughs> Shut up, little kid. <laughs> okay, so actually, I am just gonna I am just gonna tell you the members of the Pantheon right here, because okay. this whole issue is about a celebratory dinner or a reunion dinner that Toad Baron. Uh, this member of the Pantheon family, he throws a reunion dinner every 100 years. It's a Pantheon party. Yeah, it's a Pantheon party. It's a party. At, yeah. It's a panic at the disco, you know? Uh, <laughs> what it is, is he, they have every 100 years, they have a dinner where they just get together, you know, because they're all immortal. Nobody's going to die. But they're, they all just get together. And usually it's kind of like every family Thanksgiving. There's one drunk uncle and it starts a fight. You know, so, <laughs> true. So we have here, and they literally do a roll call. I'm just going to read it here. Uh, the Toad Baron has so many Toad servants, you know, but you always hear about these two that are named uh, Bob and. Hold on, let me get his name here. Al was the other one. Al. Bob and Al. Yeah, Bob and <laughs> Al are basically me and Rob. You know, they have. Yeah. To clean up after everybody. They got to make sure everyone's drinks are topped <laughs> off. Food's ready. Okay, so they're the low ones on the totem pole. And the to- Ooh, Get it, dude? Totem pole, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is uh, the dialogue from the comic. It's a bit of a long one, but you know, bear with me. You'll like it, I think. Uh, so, Toad Servant Bob says, "Hear ye, hear all present. The Honorable Toad Baron welcomes you to his ineffable den of delights." Oh, this is small print, man. Sorry. <laughs> the ineffable den of delights for the centenary meeting of the immortal pantheon. As in meetings past, you are gathered together today to celebrate another 100 years of family success and to discuss strategies that will ensure centuries more of the same. 
But first, as is the custom, formal introductions are in order, acknowledging from eldest to youngest, and without further ado, Aka, kind spreader of wisdom and purveyor of understanding. Uh, and here we go, my favorite, Manmuth, savage hunter and survivalist <laughs> extraordinaire. Gothano, keeper of secrets and caretaker of hidden knowledge. Chiyu, bringer of order and warrior unequaled. And he's actually not at this dinner, which I won't go into it right now, but if you read TMNT Ghostbusters, you'll know why. Right. Uh, it has something to do with Kitsune, too. Yep. Inadvertently so, yeah. Uh, let's see. Rat King, spreader of chaos and malicious mischief. Toad Baron, seeker of pleasure and dynamic deliverer of the same. Jaguar, valiant soldier of strict honor and swift justice. And Kitsune, master of cosmic trickery and mystical deception. And now that the proper introductions have been concluded, let the festivities begin and long live the Pantheon. And, and I, can I say, those two pages, you know, it's a two-page spread where, um, oh wait, is it? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a splash page is what it's called, yeah. Yeah, and it looks gorgeous. You know, I love these little backstories. You get so much of their personalities here, you know, and their their uh, backstories. And I got to say, I love the design of every single one of them. Every one of them looks so distinct, yeah. Yeah. Manmouth. I know I've heard that name before. Is that is he from the Archie series or is he? Yeah, he's from the Archie series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting they brought him back as a Pantheon character, and the same thing, the the big um, debut of Jaguar, uh, another another Archie character. So this is the debut for both of them in the IDW series, isn't it? Um. Yes. And go- yeah, go- I just sent you a picture of what Jaguar was like in the old comics. Oh, let me yeah. See, let me see. I, I I remember you know vaguely, but let me look at this image here. Oh yeah, so he was uh he looks more like an elephant in this one. Yeah, well he he looks like an elephant in this one too, but yeah, like but he's supposed to be a mammoth, right? But he's like a demonic kind of uh, deity version of a. He looks like an elephant god, and yeah. specifically a hunter. You know, I'm. Yeah, but this comic's great, man. All it does, all it is, just a family just ripping into each other. You know, that's that's really all this is. There's yeah. really no story here. It's just about um, just who who is the Pantheon. That's what you could have called this issue. Yeah, true. One thing that um, even before the big introduction, the first Pantheon character to show up is the Rat King. I tend to think that the Rat King, out of all of them, maybe even Akka. I don't know about Akka. The Rat King, just pay attention to some of the drawings of him. Especially when Kitsune's talking, it's like he sees through her every time she speaks. Like almost like yeah. he's playing this game, and that is part of his job. You know, he's he's all about chaos and, and disorder. He's a mischief maker. Exactly. Yeah. He's playing this game like he knows Kitsune's lying about Chiyu's disappearance. He knows all these things. And also, he's very witty in this issue, very uh, funny in this issue, which is something I, I guess we're not really used to with the Rat King character. He's always been he's always been somewhat flippant. Yeah. Oh, that's it's a good just, word. He's, he's just... He's not used that often. Yeah. You know, he was in the April and Casey stuff. He was really heavily involved with the April Casey stuff. He was just before he was in City at War, or just before, or City Fall. He showed up just before City Fall, and then he's kind of just been a gesture in the background. Yeah. You know, this is really your first up-close examination of him. Yeah, true, true. And I, and I for like... For some a long time. 
Now, this is drastically different from the original Rat King as far as his personality. Yeah. But yet, yet he's still a monster, and his design, of course, is different. What do you think of this new Rat King? I mean, do you like him as much as the original, or do you like him? Oh, no, the the original one, I'm, I just, it's my own bias, it's my own nostalgia, oh, sure. nothing's going to top Jim Lawson's uh, Rat King. Nothing's going to top that. I'm with you. I kind of, if I were to write this comic, it would have been completely unoriginal, but I would have used that original racking i would have used straight from the design everything and just i would have made him like the oldest one the most powerful one i would have made him the one that everyone's afraid of and it would have been a cookie cutter villain but that's just what i love about him yeah but uh i do like i mean i do like this one there's nothing bad even though he's not exactly what i want to see from the racking it's not like I'm writing this book. So, I mean, it's it's not the racking I would have done. And you know what? I, I like that because mine would have been the safe version. I mean, when I write racking, it is kind of the safe version. It's the one that I know. You know, I, I'm not really branching out. With this guy, he is much more... This dude, I just feel dirty looking at this guy, man. <laughs> He's just... he. I mean, like, his he first shows up just by having his rats go everywhere. And they're trying to clean up. And then he's uh, the Toad Baron... Uh, sees Rat King sitting at the table already, and he's eating one of his own rats. I know because he's hungry now. You know he's he's hungry now. I don't want to wait for dinner. I'm hungry now, and he's eating a rat. There's a lot of rat. Vi- <laughs> There's a lot of rat violence in this issue. <laughs> I know, man. Nobody nobody cares. I guess. Yeah, I think but, Mammoth kills one too. But that sets up a really great joke that happens towards the end of the issue, where Mammoth picks up one of the rats and eats it, and <laughs> Mammoth says, uh. It tastes like chicken. And Rat King says, you know, you could have just asked me. Yeah, I could have told you that. <laughs> yeah, I could have told you that. <laughs> but it's like, it really shows you Manmuth's power, too. Because even Rat King is kind of freaked out by that guy. You know, it's just gonna, you could have just asked because I don't want to see you eat one of my rats. That's weird. And, and I, right. And I, and I have to say, like, he has some funny lines in this issue. Like, he says a couple like that one. And then he says another one about Mammoth. Uh, I think Aka says, I see you're still not, you know, using any cologne or anything to make yourself smell any better. And Mammoth goes, yeah, I like to prefer nature's musk. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, oh, how's that working out for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I love, I love the interplay here. It's great. This is such a family. This is. You know, you've got those. Fa- this is like the kids' table right here. You know, it's just like it's like at the every Thanksgiving. Mash. You got that kids' table, and it's like, why are we still sitting across from each other? Why don't we sit over there? It's it's like a like a Thanksgiving feast of just monsters. You know, exactly. and they're likable. They're likable monsters. Uh, one thing I never really noticed before. Now, you might not know this, Josh, because I don't know if you're a metalhead, but I'm a big Iron Maiden fan. I grew up uh, really into heavy metal before I started getting into the Beatles and some other music. You know, different right. tastes, but. Still have a soft spot for metal, and Rat King looks exactly like the mascot for Iron Maiden. His name's Eddie. Looks exactly like Eddie. I'll oh, have to show you I, a know, I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like a almost like a rotted demon corpse Skeleton guy. Corpse thing. Yeah, exactly. It looks just like him. But I want to talk about Kitsune here and Akka too, because Akka, out of all of them, seems like, the, and of course Akka is the oldest one. Seems like. The one who is the voice of reason for everybody. She is, yeah. She she's the designated driver here. Yeah, she really she is. She really is. Yeah. yeah. I have a bad feeling somehow Kitsune, who out of all of them is the youngest, and I don't know how that works when you're immortal, but uh out of all of them she's the youngest and she's always felt like she's the one who has something to prove. 
Yeah. I have a feeling, and I'm just calling it like I see it, I have a feeling she's going to end up killing Akka one day. I don't know how she's going to do it, but she's already gotten rid of one. You know, she's already gotten rid of Chiyu for now. Um, I think Akka's way too benevolent to last long in in this pantheon. We see, I think, I I see where you're going with that, and while I do agree, she's going to, Kitsune's going to make an attempt on Akka's life. Yeah. I think Akka is so powerful that she's just letting them just act like they're powerful. It's kind of like, when I have to put my foot down, I will. Because, True. Because Kitsune had Splinter down. He was going to, she was going to kill him, and Akka was like, just take one of these feathers and touch her with it, and she's done. You know? And just, yeah, true. And Akka wasn't even there for it to happen. I think she is, I think she's the most powerful one. And when she has to put her foot down, she will, and just be like, look, you're all being silly, now stop it. I'm taking everyone home. <laughs> now I'm driving right. this car around right now. Right, no kidding, yeah. Now, to be fair, Manma, Gotha, Jaguar, Baron Toad, we don't... Re- well, Baron Toad we do, but the other three, we don't really know what they can do. Chi Yu, if you remember the Ghostbusters... Uh, cro- he was kind of... He acted kind of like a moron. <laughs> he, he was really the black sheep of the family, even though he was, like, the war god, apparently, the god of war. But he was just kind of imbecile. He was strong, yeah. but kind of dumb. And the other ones are all obviously almost maybe not as strong except for Manmouth, and we don't know what Gothano can do. But uh, all of them, none of them might be as strong, but they're all incredibly smart. Like they're stupid smart, you know? Yeah. And I got to say, I really like that Kitsune and Jaguar have a little bit of a spat. You know what? I was just going to say, man, you know why that is? Hold on. Let me get to the page here. Hold on. It's like, you know why that is? They're the two youngest. So, oh, okay. if you know anything about younger siblings, which I am one, they always have to prove their worth. They always feel they have to prove their worth. They always feel they have to prove themselves right now. And so, like, Kitsune is like, you know, I don't like the fact that you guys make fun of me for using magic instead of using swords. And Jaguar is the first and only one to be like, shut up. Swords are awesome. You know? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then you know when they, when they're starting, to, you know, conversations definitely turn into Kitsune here, and I like how even um, was it Goth- Gothano? Yeah, blames Kitsune for acting too early. You know, with uh, the mutants, mm-hmm. that's when Jaguar jumps in and goes too rashly. Is anyone surprised? The spoiled brats never had any discipline, and Kitsune is like, "How dare you speak of discipline, you small-minded buffoon? Yeah. You whose mental capacity extends only about as far as that abhorrent sword that you carry." And Jaguar's like, hey, speak of that sword, I can go get that right now. So you got this really cool family dynamic here of, of these people not backing down, these immortals not backing down to each other. And it reminds you of Greek mythology so much, you know, that all these gods feuding with each other. Yeah, you know, especially like the, the – I know these are supposed to be like the Greek, the Olympic gods, but I kind of think of these guys as like the, the titans that came before the Olympic gods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where it was like the Titans were just like, this is what they did. They just argued with each other. They were big, strong idiots. You know? <laughs> if you know your history, that's exactly what they were. You know? so, yeah. Um, but just real quickly, can we talk about Jaguar for a minute? Please. Yeah. 
God, do I love Jaguar, man. First off, I don't care that she's a girl. I don't really care that they change the genders. That's fine. Yeah, yeah that doesn't, doesn't uh, matter to me at all. I love, love her design here. She looks kind of like an Aztec warrior almost, you know. She looks like Sally, too, to me, a, a little bit. I know she's a cheetah, but. Yeah, well, you know, felines all kind of look similar. Oh, now like you're being a feline that, racist. That weird... Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they always have that like slope down uh, nose with close set eyes. You can only draw that so many different ways. The the identifying aspect of her is the spots, the spotted fur that she has, and everything. Yeah, you know, but she kind she really reminds me of. Have you played uh, Mortal Kombat X? Um, no, but but I have it. Uh, my my okay. brother in law let me borrow it. Okay, well, when you play that, play as a character called Kodo Khan. He's kind of a tough uh, character to get around, but once you get the hang of him, he's really powerful. But he's he's one of the new villains in Mortal Kombat. His name is Kodo Khan, and he is an Aztec blood god. Oh. And he's really he's a really cool character. I really like him. But she looks very very similar, where she's got like the weird like chest and neck arm neck bracelets and the uh, or necklaces. The shoulder and uh, armor, and her sword is exactly like Kodo Khan's sword, where it's this huge broadsword, and one end of it has a serrated edge, so when you stab someone and pull the blade out, it actually saws them in half. Oh, good lord! And it's awesome. I love it. I want a sword like that. And Jaguar had that. Jaguar has one. Yeah, I didn't even notice. Oh. Yeah, she hands off the sword to the servants. You know, to like the coat check guy, and just hands her sword over. <laughs> And yeah, her sword is just this giant meat, meat saw. You know, it's amazing. Ugh, yeah, love it. You know, it's brutal. And yeah, I love all these designs. And then there's Gothano. Looks awesome. Looks like the Grim Reaper with squid appendages. Yeah, I like that. I like oh, that. God, it's so just like this. This table is what that it was. What nightmares are made of? You know. <laughs> yeah, really. and I like how you know she's really, really quiet, and and you know that because of the very, very small text uh, in the dialogue boxes. Or I know. I could, it hurt my eyes to read that dialogue. So it was just right. Like, <laughs> I didn't know I had to try to strain to listen in a comic book. You know. Yeah, so. yeah, but here's here's one thing I I really. I think kind of gets to the whole crux of of um, Kitsune here. We finally get a little payoff on what she's really after. Yeah, this and that blew my is mind. this. Yeah, just me broke too. My head. Yeah. So she wants to summon their father back. Now we don't know. Do we know what happened to, her, to their father? No, but you know who her fa- you know who her father is. Is is it Hothead? Dude, Dragon Lord. This is the Dragon. Really? Lord. Yep. Dragon. Get out! I don't know. I don't know about Dream that. Warriors. Venus is going to be next year's <laughs> comics confirmed right now. So. Okay, all right. Well, you never know. Only you see, I'll be okay with that if the dragon comes back with Wick, the little guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, man. She's trying. The thing of it is, she's like you find out that her whole plan, the reason she was with Shredder, the reason she called him her Dragon Warrior was he is the human who she was prepping to be a vessel for their father, the dragon. That's exactly right. As a matter of fact, Kitsune says, For centuries, I have been working to create the perfect vessel for a being of unimaginable power, a being powerful enough to rule the world and reunite this family, a being whose time was and will be again. 
Brothers and sisters, I aim to bring the dragon back. I aim to bring father home. And, and everybody laughs at her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like this you, one panel where they're all just looking dumbfounded and, and like, seriously? Then they all just bust out laughing. Yeah. And, you know, and, which is only going to fuel Kitsune's fire. Oh, yeah, I know. And you know, that's going to be issue 100 is they bring back the Shredder. They bring the Dragon Warrior home, man. The Dragon Warrior? That'd be interesting. Like the NES game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so back to the comic. Kitsune is revealing this big plan about the dragon. And we don't really know much about the dragon. You know, is that Hothead? Is that the Dragon Lord? We don't know. We're not really sure. But everyone, no one's taking her seriously. You know, Mammoth's saying, oh, that's nonsense. And Rat King's just sitting back going, boy, this is yeah. fun. I'm enjoying this. And, this, and <laughs> the one thing, like, Jaguar immediately comes to Kitsune's side. And it's just like, there's no way a person could contain the dragon's spirit, you know. And she tells Jaguar that she's, you know, her human good, you know, Shredder. Because she has just been prepping him for yeah. centuries, you know. Uh, I mean, like, she brought him back. That's she true. helped him come back from the dead she fed him mutagen for years and that's the thing that i don't get what does the mutagen have to do with any of this you know because like he if you read secret history of the foot clan he was drinking mutagen every year to maintain his strength because at one point in the in that storyline you yeah. realize he's like after he kills uh splinter and the turtles as humans that he gets he just gets super old, you know, and then he drinks the mutagen that one time a year and he's young again. And it has to be different from the you know, the ooze that mutates people, you know. Well, you know, this has gotta be something. There's no different. guarantee that she didn't alter it because I mean she is a god. You know, I mean, what did she do? True. Yeah. And all you know, yeah. I, I kinda have hope that those answers will come one day. It's not gonna be next issue, but one yeah. day. I'd say so. I would say so. And and yeah, and, and basically right after that, you see all the rats start levitating, and and that's because the turtles have shown up with. Now, was there something with the robes that made them levitate? Or, you I, know I what? That's the stuff that uh, the street phantoms used. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. have to keep them coming back. Yay! <laughs> They'll be back. <laughs> street phantoms. And uh, the turtles show up. Mikey, I guess he he lets the cat out of the bag because he's like, oh no, there's a rat on my head. <laughs> and that's when all the Pantheon characters, they all turn around and go, oh, look who it is. Yeah. And uh, you see Raph go, or uh, Mikey go, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> it just... So we, we see, you know, that the next next issue is definitely going to be a, an encounter or a conflict between the two or between both groups. So good stuff. Yeah, they're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> just... yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do the turtles expect to happen? Like, what are no, they going to do to a bunch of immortals? That was my question. It was like, you know, what are you <laughs> doing there? You know, just. Right, right. You know, it's what are you going to do against a bunch of immortals with your karate? What are you going to do? <laughs> That's true. That's true. So we got that to look forward to. And um, I'm looking at the next month's cover, and it looks fan- fantastic. But, uh, but listen, man, overall, what do you think of this issue? Oh, uh, you know what, man? I ah, this was a surprising issue. This one's about a nine, and this yeah. is another nine for me. I really liked it. It surprised me because I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be dumb," you know, just like <laughs> this giant toad. He sucks. I was like, "This toad's all right. He can throw a party, man." You know, <laughs> I really like this guy. You know, and then the other, 
Pantheon characters showed up. It's like, I love these. I want a Pantheon action figure box set right now. Me too. You know? Me too. And Old Hob. And, you know, well, you know what, man? Just Playmates, stop what you're doing with your with your action figure line right now. And just make an <laughs> IDW series. Charge a little bit more because we want the paint job. We want the detail. Make it make it like an eight dollar, ten to twelve dollar figure. I'm happy. And most adults are reading the IDW comics. They're they're the ones who are going to buy it. Yeah, and you know what? Even if you even if you just wanted to use the same sculpts from the characters that are already in the uh, IDW series that were in the Nickelodeon series, and just redo the paint job, that's fine too. I get that. The fact that they would be in the IDW line would make me buy those ones. But, like, I want to see an old Hob figure. I want to see a better Slash figure. I want to see, you know, just a, a human. Michelle Ivy made a good point. We got to get a human Baxter Stockman figure. You know, a yes. good one. You know, don't put him in. Don't put him in a mech suit or anything like that. Put him in his lab coat. Have his glasses. Give him an iPod. And then give him, like, a couple of Mausers. Make him, like, a figure set. Have him come with two Mausers and one of those fly, bo- fly cyborgs that he had. Oh, that'd be cool. You know, make that like a four-pack. Just like him, two Mausers, and a fly cyborg. You know, that'd be great. I wanted that's that's a great idea for accessories. Yeah, I know. And just have him just like not even in the fight. He's just on his phone or something like that. And then his robots do his fighting for him. Right. I would love to get like uh, the uh, the deviations uh, Ninja Turtles. Would love, oh yeah, and those would be. With, I wouldn't with the dark get colors turtles. I I wouldn't even get those regular turtle figures. I would just get the deviations ones, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know, I I would love. I mean, you could easily get like another fifty figures out of this line. Get the mutant oh, going huge. again. Get a pantheon box set going, you know, and you know, get a new Usagi Ojimbo. Um. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you could even work out a deal, get a new Batman figure, you know, just for that Ninja Turtle line, you know? That'd be cool, man. That would be awesome. I just, I, I wonder if, we're Turtles fans, I mean, obviously, but right. is the IDW series big enough to sell toys to a general public? If it wasn't, it wouldn't be in print right now, you know? You think so? It's like, it could it could be easy to be very cynical and be like, IDW has no original stories. What are their biggest sellers? G.I. Joe, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, whatever. You know, nostalgia stuff. But the difference is, is yeah, you can have something super familiar and marketable in your hands, but if that story is not good, like if this comic sucked, there wouldn't be a Turtle Flakes uh, podcast. (laughs) Because we would have been done two years ago because we did, well, we did the Archie books, we did Vine 4, and everything else is too expensive for us to be expected to buy right now. So, what are we going to do? You know, if the IDW book didn't make it past year one, um, we wouldn't be here. So, yeah, it's totally popular enough to support its own line. The original line of figures was popular enough to get the conversations about a toy line started. But then they thought, let's see if it actually has legs and give it an animated series. Well, now it's been 32 years and everybody knows that the Turtles is kind of here forever. So, let's... Let's do an action figure line based on this line. And it doesn't have to be 50 figures, vehicles, and accessories and play sets. It can just be a simple line of 20 figures. Just for a year, we have these lines that we're putting out here. Let's not even worry about variants. Let's not worry about Comic-Con exclusives. Let's not do something stupid like 12-inch 12 12 inch figures or quarter-scale figures or whatever. Let's do a simple 5-inch, 
four to five inch action figure set. And that that would be like one that I hope is that they keep the scale. Like all the turtles are different height. Slash is like a seven inch figure, whereas the turtles are like three, four inches tall. And you know, just like pay attention to your scale. You know, but exactly. I think, I think that they are popular. I think that this comic series specifically. I say this as a fan of the Ninja Turtles. This is where the movie should have come from. The new movie should have been adaptations of the IDW book. But they ah, bold, bold statement. Yeah, they, they should have done it. They didn't, and fortunately, I enjoy what those movies are. I love yeah. those movies, you know. And I, I always feel like I have to defend it because there's so many people who try to convince other people that they're garbage. Well, not. Well, you know, you know everyone's different, and and for yeah. me, um, it wasn't my favorite in you know in the entire line of movies. But oh, I they're didn't not. Dislike they're not it. the best ones. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the best Ninja Turtles movies is the nineteen ninety original and the two thousand seven CGI film, and even the two thousand seven one. I was going to say a lot of people hate that one. It it had to piggyback on the success of the first three movies to be made. It had to be a yeah, sequel true. to those movies. You know. That being said, this is the best Ninja Turtles comic ever to come out. The the IW version. This is the best one. I, I'm with you. You know, and I know it's hard to say. You know, I'm one. I don't want to offend people sometimes and say oh this the best but this is just my personal opinion this is your yeah. opinion and you know that's what podcasts are for is sharing our opinions i guess and if you and get, and if you my... get a, if you're one of those guys that's going to get offended by somebody saying this is my favorite comic book series <laughs> you need to stop reading comics okay because <laughs> because those comics you are reading aren't making you happy uh, or <laughs> well, at least I mean, stop it, listening it's... to the show because apparently i'm i'm just i'm not going anywhere you know so <laughs> Well, you know, this is my personal favorite. I mean, I just, I really, really like the pacing. And I just, I get so excited when the next issue comes out because it's something new every time. It's something new every time. It has not gotten stale. And we're nearing, we're rounding the corner to a hundred some issues coming up. You know, I mean, we're getting close. We're in the upper, upper parts of it. And, uh, it's incredible that it's been three years. Yeah. Right. It's incredible that it's had such longevity and it still feels fresh, you know? And yeah. that's just a testament to the good writing and the great universe of characters that we have. But man, uh, to wrap it up with this comic, I thought it was fantastic and it really opens up the door for the future and what Kitsune and the rest of the Pantheon, the real goals are. And it yeah. kind of pays attention, um, kind of gives us some light into the future of Orokusaki as well. And um, I don't think the turtles are going to fare too well. I think something pretty dramatic is going to happen in the next issue, because obviously the following issue is the Krang story arc, um, and with neutrinos. So things are starting to happen here. Um, you know, we we see some seeds planted for the future. Uh, obviously, I don't think the Pantheon's going anywhere. So the turtles are going to stop them. They might foil them for a little while, but they will. Um, they're going to always be around. Yeah, and uh, for that reason, I love this. Love this issue. Love the artwork. Dave watched her or walked her. I I don't <laughs> I don't know how to say his last name, but I always like his artwork, and I thought it was great in this issue. Um, and of course, the writing was stellar. And I love this universe of Pantheon characters. Um, I give it a nine as well. And um, and uh, hey, on that note, guys, um, if on the next episode. Um, we will be returning to the classic era of the Turtles, as far as I see here on episode... See, I guess the Kevin Eastman episode will be episode 82. Yeah. So, episode 83. 
will be the classic era. We will return to the Mirage Volume 1 uh, series, and we're on issue 11. And and to even make matters better uh, better than that is, so we've got Josh, one of Josh's favorite issues coming up, and we got one of my favorite cartoons coming up, and that is Season 2, Episode 11, Case of the Killer Pizzas. Oh, one of the ones boy. that started it all. <laughs> yeah. All so right. We, Ninja we, versus Aliens. That's right. That's right. So we got some great, great stuff lined up for the next two episodes. We got Kevin Eastman coming up, and we got the classic era, some iconic comics and cartoon episodes coming up. Not sure what toy we're going to cover yet, but we will keep you posted. Guys, thank you all so much for listening. We We always appreciate it. And the funny thing is, the ironic thing is, this was supposed to be our short episode, and I'm looking at the clock right now. I told two you. Out, <laughs> two hours and 40 minutes, so uh, I got my cut out for me uh, editing this one, but uh, but I, I I love it. It's, it's, it's something Josh and I enjoy so much. We thank you all so much for listening. Thank you again for our callers uh, this week. Really, really kind of touched our hearts, and... Um, and as always, please reach out to us. I've already mentioned the links at the beginning of the show. You know, I won't bore you with those again, but we just love to hear from you. Um, and last but not least, Josh, Mr. Rourke Steady himself. Yes. What kind of pizza are we going to have to close out another totally tubular episode of Turtle Flakes? Oh, man. You know what? Oh, let's see. You know what? Me and uh, Nicole have actually been uh, going the vegan route. The past oh, me t- no way, me too. Yeah, you know because we, you know, we just want we want our kids to be healthy, and we still have you know meat every other day, like every That's third day kind we'll of, have like hamburgers or something. But like, what I really want to do is I want to make a, a meatless pizza. Now, what you do is you got your for instead of pizza crust, you have a slice of eggplant. You put a little bit of tomato sauce on there. You put vegetable they actually have it's called vegetable crumbles it's actually ground together vegetables that look like ground beef season that up put some mozzarella cheese on there non-dairy mozzarella cheese put it in the (laughs) oven roast it there you go you got your vegan pizza wow that sounds great i know yeah all you gotta do is roast make sure you put a little bit of olive oil on the eggplant roast it up a little bit kind of nice there you go all right well Alright dudes and dudettes, well here's to hoping you enjoy your eggplant, tomato, non-dairy mozzarella, roasted vegan pizza. See, I got that all in one shot. What about that? That one you got, yeah. I nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it. Alright, cowabunga dudes. Cowabunga. (laughs) Alright, so I've talked enough for a little while, guys. Um, Yeah. You have. I just got the feeling I have. <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, I thought you were going to go through like all 150 cards of that box set that you got. I was like, you know, that's a good idea. Why not? Like, he's actually going to go through all of these cards, isn't he? <laughs> like, so me and Jay Weezy can leave. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. And then I go, what do you guys think about it, guys? Guys? <laughs> <laughs> I, had, uh, I was leaning back. Uh, he was trying back. to take off while I was talking. Yeah, man. <laughs> My back, gets, my back gets stiff, man. It gets stiff. I get sore, you know. So I gotta lean back a little bit. Some... I never, I never heard you use that word before. Kerfuffle? Yeah, and it's not a cuss word. No, I know. <laughs> well, you told me, you told me not to cuss, and I know I shouldn't as an adult and a father. But I didn't say you didn't have to cuss. I just said I cowabunga you. 
Yeah. Okay. Every, every time you have to cowabunga me, though, you're like, Josh! Well, that's 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 part of my gimmick. Josh! Josh! Like I, have Jewish, I have a Jewish mother who's younger than me going, oh, no, no. <laughs> but you guys got to read the, or uh, listen to this. <laughs> This uh, translation, the written translation, it's hilarious. <laughs> this is, okay, this is the first line of the translation. Hey, girl, it's Kelly Bond. Give us a status. I was just calling to see how you guys were doing. I haven't heard from you in a while. I recently listened to the last episode where Josh was interested in maybe doing some more. TMNT cross- crossover episodes, maybe talking about Seven Dragon or Asagi. Uh, and I actually have a lot of Savage Dragon, GM, and Keep calm books as well as whole bunch of these Cody it's Augie Coma so you know I would definitely love to do nothing dang it same thing Josh I mean you are so low I can barely hear you let's see um... he's doing a solo <laughs> see, so low you can't hear <laughs> I love it um okay how do we fix this Uh, I mean, I can hear you, but again, it's really low. You're about half the volume of uh, Jay Weezy. You sound like you're muffled or far away or something. I don't know why. Ah, man. Um, Yeah, so you have your microphone plugged up and everything? I wonder if it's... Are you using a laptop? Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Say something again, Josh. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, you sound perfect. Okay, guess what? What? He was using the laptop's microphone on the monitor? No, it's even worse than that. That could be explained away. The uh, plug going into the microphone was only in halfway. Ah, there you go. All right. (laughs) I suck. I'm sorry, Oh, no, no, I'm just glad it worked out because I had no idea what to do. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, uh... I can restart? Well, if everyone's ready, I'll go ahead and take us in. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad I can hear you, Josh. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, here we go. <clears throat> I'm glad somebody's happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jay Weezy was partying over here. Yeah, well, you know, that makes one of us. <laughs> <laughs> Even I'm not happy about it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Cal, oh, really, but, really oh you hoser. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose, but I was it, listening to the past couple episodes. I just hope nobody's worried that J- uh, Jay Wee, Josh Witt, and I actually don't like each other. I actually oh. really like Josh Witt. I just want that going. <laughs> of course not. We'll have to figure out a way to ham it up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, honestly, let's make it crazy here, man. My uh, my daughter Danica could listen to you all day, Rob. It's okay. Oh, jeez, you don't make me blush again, man. Probably yeah. Every episode. she's not here. She she spent the night at her uh, at uh, grandma's, so she's not here. So I'm gonna make fun of her. <laughs> she's defenseless. Mom, Dad's doing it again. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I'll uh I'll try this again. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. <clears throat> Cow by the way. Oh! <laughs> Oh, you jerk! It. He nailed it. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I had a feeling you were going to do that. Have I had a feeling. Spider-Man Homecoming yet. No, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs>